Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Tech Tea with Kimberly. I am your host, Kimberly Bailey. Friends and family call me Kim. If you are listening in, you are indeed a friend or family of the show. Let me tell you, I am really excited about our guest today. We have Dr. Brunel Bennett Bears, a person I met earlier this year, but I feel like I have known her a lifetime and I am just so impressed and with everything that she does and she just has the most beautiful spirit and I hope that you all pick up on that as we discuss today technology and the HBCU experience. Let me tell you a little bit about her because not only is she just an amazing spirit, she is just an accomplished higher education professional. She's been in that field for like some 27 years. She's a trained vocalist and has served as a tenured associate professor and college administrator. Her most cherished campus role is that of a student advocate, which I find is very fascinating and has been very evident in the work that she's done. And she is the most recent president of Lemoyne Owen College, serving as that 13th president, which I love that. She went from attending an HBCU to becoming a college president. And we'll kind of talk about those full circle moments because I too also had that in my career. She has done some amazing things. She has been recognized as who's who among college and university professors. She has also been in the Memphis Business Journal as a superwoman in business and a power 100 of Memphis during her time as president at LeMoyne on College. She is um, also a graduate um, where she got her bachelor's of music in vocal performance from Fish University, a master of arts in vocal performance from Eastern Michigan University, and a doctor of education in administration and instruction from the University of Kentucky. And this bio is phenomenal, but I'm not gonna read it all because we have her right here with us on Tech Tea with Kimberly. And I'm just gonna give her an opportunity to tell us a little bit more about herself as we dive into some tech and the HBCU impact that it has. So hello, my friend, how are you doing? I'm well, how are you? I am wonderful and I am excited. My cheeks are hurting because you are here joining me today for some tech tea. And I'm just so happy that you said yes to this opportunity because I want people to know the Brunel Bennett Fairs that I got to know, just a wonderful, most pleasant person in the world. So thank you this morning for joining us. And just tell me about yourself. This HBCU experience as becoming the 13th president. Just tell me a little bit more about the bio that I want you to share on your behalf. Okay, thank you so much for having me, Kim. I'm honored to sip some tech tea with you this morning. Uh, HBCUs, you know, they are, they're in my blood. My first introduction to an HBCU, I wanted to become a Fisk Jubilee singer. Wow. And throughout high school, I just so fervently wanted to become one of those singers. And there was a young man who attended my church who was a student at Fisk and was a Jubilee singer. Shout out to Christopher Spinks. All right. And so there's only one place to go to become a Jubilee singer. That is Fisk. 
Uh, and so I, I went there, as you said, for my, my undergraduate degree, but it was because I wanted to become a, a Jubilee singer. I'm from Lorain, Ohio. That's about 28 miles west of Cleveland. Okay. I am five of seven children, born up in Lorain, uh, all of my life there. From there, of course, I went to Fisk and uh, then I would pursue my, my master's. Uh, and then my first position at an institution was at an HBCU, Kentucky State University, okay. and that's in Frankfort, Kentucky. Absolutely loved my time at KSU. Shout out to the thoroughbreds. All right. <laughs> I began as an, a non-tenured instructor of music, and then as you shared with your audience, I eventually became a tenured associate professor. But I love my love for the student body and that advocacy began when I was at KSU. So the roles that I took on when I was an instructor and transitioning to a professor, I continued those roles when I became an administrator. I loved the marching band. I was the advisor for their dance squad. And I did that for about 18, 19 of my years at KSU. So when I transitioned to administrative roles, the first administrative role I had was as the assistant vice president for student affairs. And I, I transitioned from the music department because I found that I could impact students at a broader um in a broader way, if I was outside of the music department, but if I was in student affairs. Mm -hmm. And so I did that for around seven years. And then I transitioned to work in the academy, uh, uh, academic affairs rather. So I worked for the provost, special assistant to the provost and liaison to the president, responsible for strategic planning uh, and being that liaison to the faculty, between the faculty uh, and the provost. From there, I became the assistant vice president for diversity and inclusion because I aspiring to a presidency and I knew it was going to be important to have experience as a senior level administrator in both the student student affairs sector and the academic affairs sector. From there I went back to student affairs and served as the vice president there and stayed there until 2015. Mm -hmm. So my 20th year is when I transitioned to the Mississippi Delta and became the vice president for student affairs at Delta State University. Wow. Served in that role for four and a half years before the presidency at Lemoyne Owen College was advertised. And after reading that board, the board's prospectus about the opportunities there, uh, I felt I could be very impactful. So I am so honored and proud of the the two and a half years mm -hmm. where the faculty, the staff, the students, the alumni, the board, we all came together to reimagine and reinvent LOC. And that institution is undergoing a renaissance. Yes, I love it. You know, I, I really admire full circle moments from your Fish University time to aspiring to be the president of an HBCU. I too started like an intern in the uh, IT division at the city of Memphis and went on to do other things and finally became the CIO for the city. And I think we both were in these high leadership times during COVID. 
So a lot about our the way we have transitioned and evolved in our careers very similar because of where we started and how we ascended to those particular roles. So I think it's very exciting. And maybe why we just kind of, you know, looked at each other and said, you know, we kind of relate. It's something going on there. And it has just been a joy just to hear your story and to watch how you just were so impactful at LOC and being from Memphis and um, being a native Memphian and being um, a part of the South Memphis community growing up, it was very refreshing to see you dive in and do just a fantastic job and wanting to see the school as well as the community thrive. So if you haven't heard it, thank you from someone from South mm. Memphis and from Memphis to say just thank you for your service and how much we appreciate all that you put in because I know it wasn't an easy task at the time that you were given the baton. I, I know what that's like, given the baton at a time where the world is upside down, but you're still charged to lead. And so I can definitely appreciate all that you did while you were serving as the 13th president of Lemoyne on College. So Thank you. Thank let's you. talk about let's talk about this HBCU experience. And you know, our the title of this particular show is the impact of technology on HBCUs. Because I want people to understand that it, it's a little different. I graduated from a uh, predominantly white institution, Christian Brothers University, where I am now an adjunct professor. I've been doing that for a few years. But the HBCU experience is is different, unique and um, just has some other elements that sometimes we don't really understand from an outside perspective, especially from technology and what is needed to make sure you're connecting. So how has tech played a role in that HBCU experience for you with students as well as staff? Technology, uh, Kim, it's been the great equalizer for instruction, for access, for engagement, and especially since the pandemic. Mm -hmm. We need it for education, we need it for entertainment. There are thousands, now there are thousands of apps, social media, games, et cetera. At LOC, we were working on a radio station and that was going to be initially in the digital format. So there's technology again. Mm -hmm. uh, podcasts are increasing in popularity. Another form of technology, a first century scholar won't survive or thrive without adequate technology. At LOC, we, had, we were undergoing a seven-figure campus-wide technology upgrade, mm -hmm. updates, renovations. We were improving access, classroom technology, and uh, even updated the little theater and the student center entrances to include LED video walls and signage. We established a center for digital teaching excellence, and that's to provide a support system and a training ground for faculty to engage uh, and educate students being an online course delivery, including writing grants so that we'd have a full-time trainer on site uh, to someone that would have uh, expertise and be able to be a support system and a trainer for our faculty. Because, you know, as you said, technology, it's critical for all institutions in higher ed, but especially HBCUs, because it is an equalizer. Oh, I love that. I love that. And being that, you know, you have a foundation 
from this until you got to Lemoyne on. Can you tell me how technology, you know, changes some of the things you've noticed just from that time to this one um, that's really necessary right now? Or just what has technology done that's so different based on your entrance into it and all of the roles that you played up until the presidency at Lemoyne One College? Okay, so you're you're I'm about to date myself. Oh, we all are. <laughs> oh my goodness, technology. You know, who remembers AOL when it was dial-up? Okay. You know, that was my lifetime. Uh virtual meeting capability. Didn't have that back right. in my day. Um Wi-Fi. Then it turned into high-speed Wi-Fi. Uh -huh. uh, podcast. Didn't have that back in my day cell phones, you know, they were back in my day, but flip one. So you can forget about the apps. So now you have these apps, you have hotspots, you have, you know, laptops used to be very heavy and bulky. Now they're sleek designed. You have uh, pads and notebooks. Uh, you, you can now use an app to set your home alarm, lock your doors, turn on the lights. You know, uh -huh. evolution is the word. I mean, I've experienced a technology revolution in my lifetime. <laughs> and you and I as well, because you, you've had like 27 years, I believe, in higher education. And I've been yes. in technology for 28 years. So I have seen it all um, from just nothing until just this amazing renaissance of technology as it is now. And I love that. And I love that you... And, you know, you have to have some vision when you're in a role like yours uh, to see not only what's happening right now, but what is to come with um, your students and what they would need. And the fact that you recognize how technology has changed over the years, I think it just really helped you resonate with some of the needs that were, um, you know, really needed on the campus in order to keep students connected and so that you could still be that advocate and have that engagement. And so I think no matter what happens, technology is always going to just have a, a key role in everything wow. that we do. And you know, one of the challenges I know from a technology professional is just getting good talent and getting people interested in the field. And so what do you think from an HBCU perspective that we could be doing more to get students more involved or interested in technology careers? Okay. Okay. Got some answers for that, but okay. I have one more answer for the last question and okay. I can't believe I forgot this one. Camera phones. <laughs> Being able to take pictures and video, that probably should have been the number one, but that that's Yes. Now to this question, I would say that education needs to begin in high school. Mm. Students need to understand the, and probably even middle school, students need to understand the demand and types of technology careers, along with the earning potential for those careers. Yes. Now, many students are really technology savvy, but to thrive in the 21st century, you have to attain a certain level. Mm -hmm. of technology savvy. So reach reach them where they are. Uh, they're on their cell phones. You know, TikTok, oddly, has become uh, a huge learning ground for reaching and teaching, not yes. just entertaining. So I would say develop a succinct message and intentional marketing tool. 
Mm-hmm. Again, so that you can reach them where they are. Okay. You know, um, I, I am TikTok has me in a chokehold. Let me just be honest. I, I learn all kinds of things. I, like forget Google, just go to TikTok. You can learn how to do everything on there. So I definitely agree. And you're right. Um, we can't always depend on students coming to the field. The field has to find a way to come to them and show them what opportunities are there. And um, and just in saying that, what do you think the community could do more to support technology in higher education? Lord, learn ways that technology can support their everyday lives. You know, okay. Use campus resources to enhance their programming or personal or professional needs. Mm-hmm. Uh, at LOC, we received a grant from Apple. Shout out to Dr. Lisa Lang, Provost, Vice President for Academic Affairs. Uh, and that grant allowed us to participate in a program called HBCU Squared. It provided technology for students and the community to learn how to code. So oftentimes there are resources, free resources on a campus. So seek those opportunities out, those learning opportunities and training opportunities. Wow. So I want to pivot a little bit because I want to talk about this vocal music, um, Dr. Bennett Fairs, that I wasn't aware of. So a little tidbit about me. I am not a vocal music scholar, professional, none of that. But I um, was a choir director for my church. I was a choir director from the time I was 16. And even when I moved away to uh, Georgia, um, I was a choir director at the church there. So over 20 years, I was a choir director. And so I have this this different type of love for music. Sometimes I wake up in the morning, there's a song in my head and that's the song for the day. It's not always choir songs, right? Because I do listen to trap music as well. But (laughs) I do have this love for music. I ride around a lot of times, I call it car karaoke, where I'm singing out loud in the car, just enjoying myself. It's one of my happy things. So just tell me about the um, musical side of you and just what got you interested in that and um, what what does that do for you even now? Well, as you, you shared, I'm classically trained, but my favorite type of music is really R&B. All right. So um, I wanted to be the first person that would, you know, they'd be at the Met one weekend and they'd be at the... Um, the Apollo uh, the next day singing R&B and then they'd be on Broadway the next day I want to be the first person that could really juggle all of the all of the genres and um, still uh, my favorite singer to this day is still Denise Williams I can't tell you and Angela Winbush is a close second but Denise Williams is definitely my number one I can't tell you how many Talent shows, I'm saying Black Butterfly or Angel or Smile uh, when I was in school or or college. I really love those ladies. And uh, Dr. Carol Johnson-Dean, who was a trustee at LOC, and she was the interim president when I arrived, she made the introduction, introduced me to the maestro at the Memphis Symphony Orchestra. She thought that'd be a great way for you to get out in the community to see you. 
And I thought, wow, this would be really good for me to increase raising the college's profile and brand recognition while uh, introducing me and being able to, you know, make some relationships in Memphis as, as somebody who was a newcomer. Okay. And I was able to, they, they featured me for their Christmas concert and uh, it, it went over very well. And so then the next year, which was last year, they had me again. Uh, and last year they said, Hey, you know, you know, there's quite the demand for you when folks call for the tickets, they want to know if you're going to be performing this year. So, you know, the gig is yours, you know, if you want to continue to come back and, you know, I'm set to perform this year again uh, on December 2nd with the Memphis Symphony Orchestra, uh, Magic of, I think they call their Christmas concert, The Magic of Memphis. And uh, actually this year I'll be performing two pieces. You know, I, I performed the Oh Holy Night. Uh, it's a beautiful Beautiful arrangement, beautiful orchestral arrangement that um, uh, really shows one's soprano chops. And so uh, I asked the maestro, and he said, well, next year, if you want to try something else, I said, well, you know, my favorite type of music is actually an R&B secular music. And so uh, this year, I'm going to show an upside, and uh, I'm going to be singing Santa Baby. So I'm going to go from Santa Baby so, oh, holy night. Um, uh, and I'm so glad that uh, Dr. Johnson Dean made that introduction because I had not performed in literally decades, not something where I had to really come home after work and, and learn that, oh, holy night, because, you know, uh -huh. it's a beautiful piece, but it's, you know, it's, you need to spend some time practicing. And if you hadn't performed in decades, then you really need to spend some time practicing, but um so yes, I, I still sing. I still enjoy it. And now I'm singing every December, thanks to jo Dr. Johnson Dean making that introduction. Wonderful. I'm so glad I asked you about that because I did not know that. I am going to have to check you out at the orchestra. Yeah. That is amazing. And I bet it is just like a good breath of fresh air for you from all of the demanding mm -hmm. parts of just, you know, having to be who you are. Isn't that just a great transition and a different extension of, you know, just showing a different side of yourself? And I bet mm -hmm. it's very green, right? It is. It's like being back at home, you know, yeah. being back at home, you know. And at first, after the first year, I thought, you know, I'm, I'm just not going to be able to do this again. This is, I just don't have time to really work these pieces up. But the experience it was just so, it was awesome. Like I said, it was like being back at home. And so when he asked the next year, I was like, oh, absolutely. Oh my. And I said, really? You said never again. You, it's just too much, but it isn't, you know, it, is it's been a, wonderful. That is amazing. I will never talk about my little car karaoke again with you, a professional. <laughs> and realize I had a true professional vocalist on the show today. Boy, it's amazing what you learn when you have a little tech tea together, right? That's right. Let's keep sipping. So between the two, because, you know, you can make that vocal career whatever you want because it has, you know, some adaptability and you can insert that wherever, you know, that higher education career is, you know, your, your staple. So, you know, like when you're looking at career choices and because you have such an impact on students and young people, what would you say to them 
when they're kind of just looking at, you know, what to do with themselves as they try to get out in this world and thrive? It's them to, to follow their heart. When you're doing what you love, then it's really not work. So identify someone to mentor you who's already doing what you're aspiring to. Uh, learn as much about the major before enrolling so you don't waste your time or money in a program and then need to change majors. Uh, I will share that computer science and engineering are two majors that are in demand with immediate high earning potential. Oh, okay. Yeah, I, I agree. Do what you love. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. Uh, I, my my daughter is in engineering and has been for some time. And I do think that is one of the careers that's definitely on the rise, along with, you know, also cybersecurity. Those are two that um, people can really find some good avenues to excel in. So we talked mm -hmm. about TikTok. So in my, you know, downtime and especially nighttime, I'm on TikTok just kind of seeing what all of the people are doing and things I can learn. Like, what is your favorite app and kind of what do you do in your downtime from a tech perspective? My favorite app, I would say I'm, I'm constantly on social media. You know, are you? So uh, if it's, you know, I have, I have a TikTok account, but I haven't really, you know, I'll go there to kind of look around, but I'm not active on it. I've never recorded a video, maybe one. Really? Um, email. Actually, I'm on my email more than anything. Mm -hmm. So I'm constantly monitoring email. Might be Microsoft Teams and Zoom because of meetings. So that's something I was usually doing every day. Mm -hmm. um, besides that, probably social media. Yeah, yeah. I like that because, you know, it, I think it, it makes you a lot more relatable to um, the people that you impact from a student perspective because social media is just what's driving their everyday lives. They're always on it. And when you are familiar with those various platforms, I think it helps you to be, to be very relatable to them and to understand, you know, kind of what is what has their attention. And it was a great, um, a free marketing tool for me. I, I use it a lot at my institutions. Uh, it helped with levels of engagement. It helps with recruitment. When individuals see all the wonderful things that were going on in LOC, that was helping with, with recruitment, oh. uh, helped to show my level of engagement. Uh, so yes, it's a great marketing tool and doesn't cost a dime, as you know. Exactly. You know, in addition to TikTok, I, I'm an audible person so I listen to audiobooks and podcasts all the time and um, you know and I think leaders which I consider you one of the great leaders of our city are also readers and um, so is there anything that you're reading lately that you'd like to share with um, the audience who's listening today? I just finished a memoir uh, my sister recently published it's about Corruption and Brutality in the Jacksonville Police Department. It's called wow. Blowing the Whistle on the Boys in Blue. Her really? name is Monica Bennett. So that that was the last uh, book that I read. Wow. Well, Shout out to Monica. Right. Congratulations to your sister. <laughs> I tell you, just some powerhouses in that um, Bennett family, huh? <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> that is amazing. So... I want to kind of flip. This is a part of the show where I call it forward ever, 
backward never. And it came from me growing up in a church and the church motto was, you know, forward ever, backward never. And it's kind of a way of how I try to perceive things in life. I try to keep moving forward and look and reflect briefly on what's behind me, but, you know, just trying to see how I can help change whatever was behind me to moving forward. And for me right now, my forward ever, backward never kind of changes either monthly or weekly, but forward for me right now, I'm looking in addition to the podcast to possibly start in a t-shirt line. I have all these little sayings and things. I'm a graphic fan of a graphic t-shirt fan. And so that's something that I kind of want to explore going forward. So if somebody's out there listening who can help me stand up a quality t-shirt line, you know, hit me up. I'd be interested to see what we could do together. And, And so that's something that I'm looking forward to. And, and for my backward never on, you know, for this week is just, you know, learning how to say no. I feel like I said yes to a lot of opportunities or I said yes too quickly. I didn't really get enough information. And so now I'm really saying, okay, it's okay to say no and move forward with some, you know, other things in life. And so for you, from a forward ever perspective, what what's what are you looking forward to or what keeps you moving forward or what would you like to share from a forward ever perspective with with the listeners today my forward ever would be leading an institution during this very critical time in higher ed and being able to positively impact student success oh that's amazing well that 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 sounds like a very doable forward ever for someone with your, you know, credentials and all of your accomplishments. So I I can definitely see that happening. And I look forward to that. What about backward never? Is there something that you just wouldn't do again or would change about what you've done? Yes. I, I always make this joke that I'm always on 200. So I'm very energetic. And so when I go to a campus and I go through these interviews and I say, well, I'm on 200. So if you give me 100, you know, think about all the progress we could make. But, but always being on the go like that, I, I've decided my backward never, backward never, right? Yes. Is uh, stop and smell the roses, you know, mm-hmm. take time to enjoy the fruits of my labor regularly, identify time for personal release. You can't constantly be on 200 and not really think about some self-care. So making that more regular in my life instead of sporadic. Exactly. And self-care is very important. Sometimes when we are in these huge roles, we do forget about ourselves. And I think that is definitely something we want to move forward with bringing more concerned with ourselves as much as we are with the things that we do um, into our forward ever. So I love that. That is amazing. I have so enjoyed you today. And before we, you know, wrap up, I'd like to know if there is any additional advice or anything else you'd like to share with those listening uh, from a higher ed or HBCU or even a vocalist perspective that you think people should, you know, know a little bit more about you before we wrap it up. Say anything you aspire to do is attainable. Mm-hmm. Just be very intentional about those steps to get there. Uh, don't give up. Don't don't be discouraged. And always reach back to help that other person. 
My dissertation was on female African-American presidents in higher ed, as I shared earlier. And I interviewed at that time, all of almost all of the the, the, the presidents. Mm. And they all, there was this one sad theme that emerged from the research that the female African-American was their biggest foe. So mm. she was not supportive. They found that it was the white male that gave them the opportunity to advance. And so I always said, I will never be that person. I'll always be the one to reach back and help somebody along their way. So we call that playing, paying it forward. Yeah. So I would recommend doing that. But don't side of your dreams. There's so many resources and support systems out there that, that will balance, make the playing field equal if you just, just seek it out. Absolutely. And I can attest that you are one who indeed pays it forward because how we met, I did some contracting work at Lemoyne One College under your leadership. And we figured out how to pivot so that we could, you know, get some things done together. And so I can appreciate you paying it forward and trusting me with some of the projects on your campus and just saying, okay, let's do this together. So I can agree that you are indeed one who reaches back and you are supportive of you know, other African-American women who are doing their thing and you are one who will let that person come in and, and we can get some things done together. So I can appreciate meeting you in January and the time we worked together uh, at Lemoyne One College, it was great. And you are indeed one who reaches back. Let me speak to that. Let me share with your audience. Okay. So thanks to that association, you know, you came in, uh, we had a $50,000 campus-wide lighting upgrade that made Pardon the pun, the difference was between day and night, especially around our residence halls, mm -hmm. made our campus a lot safer, brought some things to my attention where we could improve our technology, our access in the residence hall. Uh, you were just doing everything. It wasn't just technology. The work that begun at Bethel, mm -hmm. uh, thanks to you and Mr. Chapman, so yes. much progress had been made there, including the, the radio station, the, the yes. mass communication center, getting that project started. You're wearing a lot of hats yourself and a lot of the progress that I made with facilities this year was thanks to your oversight. Well, thank so you thank so you for much. That. Well, anytime, you know, I, I've always told you, if you call, I will answer. I will do anything yeah. that you need me to do that's in my capacity because you have just been a wonderful person to know and your spirit has just been infectious. And I can appreciate mm -hmm. just knowing you and now knowing even more about you. So if the audience wanted to just keep in touch with you and and make sure we don't forget about your December 2nd performance. How do we keep in touch with you so that we can always know kind of what's happening with Dr. Vernell Bennett Bears? Well, I'm on social media. Um, my, my name is still at Magic Madam P. Uh, when I announce my, my next presidency, I'll change that name. So I can't change it yet, but uh, I'll change it this year. Okay. Hopefully. At Magic Madam P, 
could email me. Uh, you know, we talked about dial up. I still use that email I have from AOL dial up. So that is Vernell Pennant at AOL.com. That's great. Well, I, I just, I enjoy you. I really have. Thank you for saying yes to some tech tea with Kimberly. And thank you for just sharing just your journey and all of the amazing things that have happened and that I believe will happen going forward. You are an amazing person. I appreciate your leadership and just thank you for what you have done for Memphis as a whole. And so everyone, let's just you know, give a grand way to go to Dr. Vernell Bennett Fairs. And no matter what you are doing, if you are a listener, make sure that you always Kim. That is keep it moving. Love it. Thank you so much. It's been my honor and pleasure, Kim.